Welcome to the teaching ministry of Judah Oloromai, compelling consecration, provoking repentance, and inspiring worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of his power. Get ready to experience the transforming power of his word. So verse 37. Sure. So I'm not sure if the projector is working, so I'm just going to read from here. If any man thinks he's behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she's past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Now, as he stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his will and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin. Does well. Okay. So that is um, Paul's instruction with respect to the key word there is acting improperly. So there's a proper way to act towards your virgin. The word virgin here is towards, towards the person you are cutting, your fiance or your fiance. Glory to Jesus. So etiquettes of Christian courtship. Lord, we trust your word to bring clarity and insight. Let there be light in the darkness. Let there be understanding. Let there be no confusion. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, we all agree that we are not of the world. As Christians, as believers, we do not belong to the present world. And the implication of that truth is not just about a church activity, a church dress, a church behavior. The phrase, we are not of the world, implies that every part of our lives um, is affected by our culture that is Christian. We have a Christian culture. Many believers have not accepted this truth and this fact and this reality. That when it comes to business, there's a Christian way to do business. When it comes to career, there's a Christian way to build a career. When it comes to, I mean, life goals, there's a Christian way to chase life goals. When it comes to marriage, there's a Christian way to do marriage. When it comes to courtship, there's a Christian way to do courtship. When we say we are not of this world, that statement already puts us in a situation where everything we do has to carry a Christian flavor, a Christian vibe. We have to do it like a Christian. Christianity is not coming to church, singing a few Christian songs, going home and living like the world. Everything that pertains to you has to be, you know, wrapped up in that concept of Christianity. Many Christians like to separate many parts of their lives from Christianity and they claim to be Christians just as long as they come to church and do the Christian activity in church, they feel that that's enough. But if Christianity does not affect your choices, your decisions, your behavior, your mannerism, your etiquette, on things that are seen as societal, secular, or carnal, your Christianity is not solid enough. The point I'm making here is that although marriage is limited to the earthly space. We will not marry in heaven. There will be no marriage in heaven. But we must do marriage as Christians. Courtship is limited to the earthly space. There will be no courtship in heaven, but while we do courtship on earth, we must do it as Christians. Many who are learning their Christian or learning their courtship values and ideologies from movies, from music, from comedy skits, from popular men, from so-called 
kingdom marriage. Well, many people are not learning it from scriptures. There's a way the Bible expects us to cut. If you're in courtship, there is an expectation that the Bible already sets if you're a Christian. Don't think that your Christianity does not apply when it comes to things like courtship. Many ladies say things like, I want a man who's romantic. And by the time you begin to investigate what they mean by romantic, you discover these are things that will break Christian etiquette in courtship. Many ladies or many guys who say, I want a submissive wife or I want a woman who is even um, a wife material. In, when you begin to investigate what they mean by who is a wife material, you discover they may be demanding for things that are not appropriate as a single Christian while going through courtship. I mean, on Twitter, somebody said, and a lady said it, it was very heartbreaking to read. And she said, uh, guys, if you're a Christian, we expect that there are some conversations we should not even have to talk about. I mean, imagine going to a relationship with a Christian, and you have to be talking about, uh, should we have sex or should we not have sex? It's heartbreaking, really. You're going to a courtship with a Christian, you just expect something should not even be a discussion, should not be a debate. We shouldn't be talking about it, praying about it, asking questions about it. it the Bible is clear. But obviously there's so much compromise in today's generation. We have to revisit the concept of Christian etiquette for courtship. The way the world does courtship is not the way the Christian should do courtship. Are you listening to me here? Yeah. Studying the subject of how to adopt not just Christian philosophy, but Judeo-Christian or Judeo-Christian philosophies. Because if you are going to study the concept of courtship, you have to especially investigate the Old Covenant. The New Testament is not too loud on it. There are not too many instances in the New Testament. <laughs> of course, because the New Testament is a very, very spiritual, emphasized um, conversation. So there are many things that the writers did not deem too important, really. However, if you want to study courtship, you have to check how does a Jew cut. What is courtship for the Jew? How do the Israelites practice courtship? Is the concept of dating. Is it applicable for someone who is a Jew? Are families involved in Judeo-Christian courtship? Are pastors involved? Are spiritual leaders involved? What is their place? What is the place of matchmaking? What is the place of dating site? What is the place of making your own decision, being led by the Spirit of God? What is the place of the will of God? You've got to investigate the subject thoroughly to have a holistic perspective. But, like I said, we have just 60 minutes. I can't really say much. There's so much to say, but I don't have time. We'll just rush through the subject and emphasize a few things that I feel is important and we'll trust God for understanding. Glory to Jesus. By the way, in case you're not sure, courtship is just the period between marriage where people who have decided to marry spend time together, discover themselves, and prepare towards marriage. Um, that definition is suffice because it's going to lay a foundation to um, some of the things I'm going to say as etiquette. By etiquette, I mean the appropriate things to do the appropriate approach. Some of the etiquettes we are discussing tonight are not necessarily about whether it is a sin or whether it's not a sin. For instance, is it a sin for a woman to ask a man out? The answer is no. But I'm going to show you why it is not a Christian etiquette for a woman to ask a man out. I'm going to show you why. So etiquette does not necessarily involve sin or not sin. 
It involves what is appropriate for the best end. Glory to Jesus. Now, the first issue I want to trash out is not even the courtship proper. I want to first of all trash out the ultimate question, who exactly should I marry? This is a very important question before I begin to discuss the etiquette of courtship. There have been several things said by several important and powerful and popular people that has confused a lot of young people. People have said, marry your friend. Some other people have said, don't marry your friend. People have said, marry for love. Some other people have said, marry for kingdom. Many things have been said that um, have to be straightened out. And I, I think that conversations like this, we really need to discuss thoroughly and honestly. Many of the quotable quotes will not be enough to explain this subject. If I just say, marry for kingdom, what does that mean? What is the meaning of marry for kingdom? If I say, don't marry for love, what, do, what does that mean? If I say, don't marry your friend, what does that mean? Should I marry my enemy? So we've got to really get these things very, very um, clear so that we don't um, misunderstand some of these popular phrases and creatures that have been employed in recent times to explain the concept of the will of God in marriage. Of course, everybody wants to marry a God-fearing person. That is a popular thing that Christians say. And things like, marry the will of God. Let me emphatically state that I will explain, of course, next week when we talk about marriage. Marriage fundamentally is not for you. First of all, it is for God. It is for God's kingdom. So, when we say marry God's will, when we say marry for kingdom, that's why the sentiments, those sentiments are echoed. Because it is not just about you. Of course, if you are part of the kingdom of God, there's certain things that you should have as an advantage with respect to... Um, Marrying rights. You will have peace of mind. You will have joy. Hopefully you live here happily ever after. But the concept transcends beyond you. When God brought Eve to Adam, it was not just about Adam's comfort and pleasure. There was an agenda of God that needed that partnership to be executed. Glory to Jesus. Okay, but what we begin to now talk about making personal specific choices. It is also important that we address the question, who exactly should I marry? Now, the pattern we have in scriptures is that you should marry from your own environment. That statement means marry a Christian. That statement also means marry, or that statement means more importantly, marry someone you are compatible with. When we say marry from your familiar environment, Marry someone you are compatible with. And for me, that statement is everything. It answers the entire question, who should I marry? Compatibility is in various dimensions. Spiritual compatibility, mental compatibility, um, financial compatibility. There are many things that that statement um, has an application on. But you must be compatible with who you want to marry. The idea is even used to explain marriage between male and female. The Sorry, I'm going to be a little bit graphic in my explanation, but one of the ways we know that homosexuality does not add up is because a penis is supposed to fit into a vagina. You can't marry penis and penis. It, it does, logically, it does not add up. It does not fit. Are you following me here? So when somebody says, hey, I'm a man, I like a man, you are stupid. Because from nature, it already suggests there is no fitting. It can't fit. 
When you carry a charger, you plug it into a charging port. It's meant to fit. The charging port is not the charger. They are different, but they fit. Are you following me here? So it's all these common sense principles have to, us to be have to be employed again in picking his spouse. Does he fit? Is he compatible? Now, many Christians in a bit to sound spiritual or in a bit to play the spiritual card do not apply this principle of compatibility. And it's a shame, really. Somebody just says, God told me, I am led by the Holy Ghost. Now, we are not saying you cannot be led. Unfortunately, many Christians don't even know how they are led or they don't even know how to be led. Being led is not just about spectacular experiences, seeing a dream or a vision of somebody holding an umbrella and all of that. In being led, there are principles of scriptures that you must follow. The Holy Ghost will teach you from the wisdom of scriptures. So how did Abraham pick a wife for his son? How did people marry in scriptures? What was the Jewish way to marry? The Jewish way to marry was that people looked for compatible spouses based on family values and ideologies. From instructions, Moses already told Israelites, don't marry strangers. Don't marry strange women. Because their culture does not fit into your culture. And then the end product will be that there will be idolatry. You marry a Philistine, you marry an Egyptian, you marry an Amalekite, there will be idolatry. They will seduce you to other gods. And Solomon is a classic example. He married strange women and his life was messed up. That statement, however, must be applied intelligently in the New Covenant. Because even in the Christian environment, there are strange Christians. There are Christians who don't believe there's anything wrong with premarital sex. There are Christians who don't believe that there's anything wrong with doing traditional wedding in a way that offers sacrifices to idols. And they claim to be Christians. So, we say marry from a familiar environment. There are church who have taken that instruction to an extreme end and said they must marry from that denomination. Christ embassy must marry Christ embassy. Rema must marry Rema. CAC must marry CAC. However, by the time you begin to study and discover there is something called doctrinal compatibility, you will understand why sometimes extremism pays. If somebody wants to marry into a church that is not familiar with their spiritual and doctrinal beliefs, there's going to be trouble in future when I want to marry a man, I want to marry a woman who does not believe in wearing trousers. And I'm a man of God, for instance. And then the woman comes into my assembly and begins to tell the woman in the assembly, if you wear trousers, you are going to hell. If you wear trousers, you are going to hell. Now, I'm not condemning that, let me use the word ignorance. I'm only saying that kind of matter is too big for you to overlook. If you Marry, you are going to marry trouble. You are going to marry an affliction. And the person should not change their mind just because they married you. Because even if they agree to what you believe, in their hearts they disagree. And so when they see a lady wearing trousers, they will condemn that lady in their hearts. They won't relate well with that lady. So it's not about saying, when I marry her, say, I'm the pastor, I will change her now. You are joking. You are going to hurt yourself like that. She may just agree in the name of submission, but her heart does not really agree. There will be no fluency. There will be friction. Are we together here? So compatibility is everything. If it does not fit, don't go for it. Who to marry? Marry someone you are compatible. My philosophy has actually been marry your friend. That actually has been my philosophy. 
I don't believe in marrying strangers, cutting strangers, dating strangers. I tell you, I don't feel it's going to work. It's not healthy. It's too much risk. When I say marry your friend, I don't mean marry somebody you know only in the flesh. I would prefer that people of the same spiritual environment, people who can easily be friends, marry. Because the idea of marriage, one of the elements of marriage is companionship. Anybody that you cannot be a companion with, why are you trying to marry them? And you say, the reason why, God, why I want to marry them is that God said I should marry them. And then when you marry them, you discover you are keeping malice. The person is not a companion. The person is an enemy. You are sleeping on the same bed, wearing the same clothes, but there is no friendship. There is no intimacy. It's a shame, really. There are many people trapped in marriages. Trapped. And they cannot divorce because Christianity is against, or Christianity is against divorce. So, ma- anybody you cannot be a friend with, you probably should not marry. Because marriage involves friendship, companionship, togetherness, oneness. So if somebody cannot be your friend, why do you want the person to be your spouse? How do you expect the person to be your... I mean, marriage should be the climax of friendship. Marriage should be the zenith of friendship. So I am actually a fan of marry your friend. Don't marry a stranger in the name of that's the person God is leading me to. If you feel that God is leading to the person, then you must be a friend to that person. If you don't marry your friend, then make your spouse your friend. Once you marry the person, don't say, well, me, we, mar- we marry for kingdom. We do not marry for companionship. What do you mean? So you don't talk to the person except when you want to produce children. You now have intercourse, produce children. And then, what kind of life is that? How do you think Adam and Eve lived in Eden? There was friendship, there was companionship, there was intimacy. The intimacy, they gisted about everything. They talk. There was not a boring moment. So, I'm a fan of marry your friend or seriously befriend your spouse. Glory to Jesus. But the biggest thing to consider is compatibility. Do they fit? If I am not... if you know, I find it amusing that our generation brags about things like, I can never marry my friend. I don't know what you want to marry. I find it very strange. I think I was even watching a video, maybe it's a content, all these content creation videos, and somebody was asking, can you marry your cosmates? I find it amusing that that kind of question even exists. What do you, who do you want to marry? Who will see you, if not your cosmates? I don't understand why this is even an issue. Who will see you? You know, so, so, so I think so. And it's movies. You know, because you have watched so many Korean movies. Where one rich prince went traveled to South Korea to pick a stranger from a royal family. That's what is in your head. I don't know why you are thinking like this. Say, can you marry your cousin? Who do you want to marry? Are you listening to me here? Marry from a familiar environment. Somebody I know. People marry and they have trust issues because they married a stranger. They are not even sure who they married. They are complete, absolute, they are not, they are absolutely in the dark about them. I was a, I was my wife's best friend. Before I married her. I mean, I didn't have to pray to my oh God, show me, reveal. I mean, she's my best friend, I know everything about her. I like everything about her. When I see people take risks, marry strangers, saying God led me. Now that God has led you, you better make her your best friend. Because you're not saying the reason why I married her because God told me you. Naturally, I don't like her. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? 
Adam saw Eve, he liked her. Amen? God can lead you somebody you don't like. What, what do you mean? If I don't like you as a Christian, I don't like you as a friend, am I supposed to like you as a spouse? Somebody is a Christian like me, but I don't like the person. Then, friendship too, I don't like the person. Then I'm supposed to now, because there's a ring in her finger, or she has changed her name to my son's name, I'm going to start liking her. Ah, no way. When Isaac met uh, Rebecca, he liked her. When Jacob saw Rachel, he liked her. Where you are getting your own philosophy? That God can say, you someone you don't like. I don't know where you got it from. It's not in my Bible. Are, are you listening to me here? This, all these religious undertones, it's a, it's, a, it's a mess. They're making a mess out of marriages. You will like the person. You should. If you don't like the person, it may not be because something is wrong with you. Maybe your definition of life is not good. Your definition of beauty is faulty. You want someone that's wearing artificial breast. Somebody wearing fake bum bum. So something's not wrong with you. So when God says, this is a good spouse, he says, ah, I don't like her. Maybe because you like artificial things. If the person does not wear nails like, like, like Jezebel and has eyelashes like frog, the person never finds for your eye, then something's actually wrong with you. Not that something's wrong with God's leading. Are you following me here? You may say you don't like her because you like lousy women. Women are not meek, quiet. You don't like those ones. You like lousy women. So you have to not check yourself and say, is there something wrong with me? Because God is leading me in this direction and I don't like what God is leading me into. You see that I have a problem and that may just be the issue. Are we clear with this now? So this idea of God's will is, God's will is not a mystical concept. I don't know the will of God. I don't know the will of God. What is the will of God? And you are afraid. You are scared. You are worried. Check biblical patterns. Follow Adam and Eve. Follow. Abraham and Sarah. Isaac and uh, Rebecca. Jacob and Rachel. There are enough biblical examples of marriages for you to check and look. Stop following these popular mainstream marriage samples. They will wreck your perspective. Glory to Jesus. And of course, the highest example you should imitate is Christ and the church. I believe Christ likes the church. And I'm not just saying Christ loves the church. I believe every time Christ looks at the church, he's excited. Because it's this, and why? It's because the same spirit that is in Christ is the same spirit that is in the church. That's why there's a likability. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the spirit of resurrection is what bettered the church. That's why I say, to marry, it is from the same habitat. That's the safest thing. I'm not saying there are times where there are no exceptions. There are a few times where there are exceptions. Particularly, there are some marriages that, even in scriptures, they, they have a weightier purpose. For instance, the marriage of Joseph and Mary was not just a regular marriage. <laughs> Something that was going to steward and nurture the Messiah. Couldn't just be ordinary. That's why in the day Joseph said, I'm not doing it again. And then had to appear and say, You must do. You know, go waiting, you go do. Hey, tough now, you go do. So there are some marriages like that that they, they are, they are, and, but they are very, the percentage is maybe like 0.00001%. I'm not even in that class, honestly. Almost all of us will marry by the wisdom of scriptures. Marry from your habitat. Marry from your environment. Stop looking for strangers. Why would you marry a strange man? A strange woman? Why? Say he's a Christian like me. I know he's a Christian. But his spiritual upbringing may be strange. 
Are we following here? Many people marry and then they, they say, ah, I now married and I discovered my husband and I discovered it was not what I thought it was. I think that you were not wise. You were not wise, in all honesty. Don't take the risk because some risks are irreversible, irredeemable. Once you are there, you are there. So the safe thing as a young person, even if you don't have extreme, super, spectacular leadings, watch and pray. Open your eyes. People that you know, you can vouch for them. Some of the people that you are trying to date, you can't, you can't, you can't sign a guarantor's form for them. Yeah. And I say, let me give you the trial. What do you mean, give you the trial? You want to use your life for an experiment? Somebody you cannot vouch for, you cannot say, I trust him. Solid Christian. Works in integrity. Works in purity. Very solid. I can trust him. Some of these people that are asking you out, that you are praying about, you cannot recommend them to your best friend. You know that if I, if I recommend them to my best friend, my best friend will cry for life. You are now praying about it. What do you want God to tell you? You are praying about it. Should it be a prayer point? Say, you know the will of God is mysterious. God works in mysterious ways. What do you mean by that? So compatibility, spiritual, mental, values, philosophical compatibility. I looked at my wife and she just fits. <laughs> just fits. When I told her, well, I'm likely going to end up in full-time ministry and the implication is that I am not going to be given to luxury and wealth. She just fits. She was not wearing an attachment of 60K. And if tomorrow we are very blessed... And we can afford it, no problem. But in the days of my little beginning, she fits. We used to save together, two hundred naira, five hundred naira, one thousand. We used to share money together. Ah, that person is very hungry. We need to give the person money. We just fit. Our work ethics fit. Our definition of success fit. Our definition of life fit. That's the idea. I didn't. I didn't pray too much. It just fit. There were women around me. I think I've told you this before. One day I heard one of them say, anybody that does not ask me out with a wedding ring of 30k, I can never say yes. In all honesty, at that time, those women look more spiritual than my wife. But, does it, it's not a bad thing. If you want to wear wedding ring of 1 million, one million naira, probably. But, does it fit? Are we together here? Yeah? Okay. Time is going, so let's watch. The second thing I want to ask, or I want to deal with is, how exactly should I ask a lady out? Or how exactly should I initiate the courtship process? A PR, um, technique, I don't know why this mic is itching. I don't intend to use a hand mic, because I am very tired. Please, so if you can fix this, I'll be glad. If you have to take part of something, but I want to be able to use my hands, rest my hands. We are necessary. And I know we have a second of this mic, so please. How should I enter into courtship in terms of asking out? And let me explain what I said earlier. It is not ethical for a woman to ask a man out. Christian wise, it is not appropriate. Why? That's because of two or three reasons. The first is that. The design of marriage already puts the woman in a place of being sought out for. 
as a woman, you should be sought out for. A man should look for you, find you, chase you. We're not teaching you this to play hard to get, though. That's not the goal of this conversation. But we are saying, a man should be the one to find you, chase you, look for you. Your value diminishes when you reverse the order. Say, bro, God has told you that you are my husband. Your value. Now, what, what, you are going to, what you are, what's going to happen is that you are going to set yourself up for a marriage where you have no right to demand for love and affection and attention. Because in all honesty, you are the one that bullied your way into it. And the whole concept of leadership has already been altered. Leadership means the man takes the lead. Even in terms of initiating courtship, the man should lead. You have already stolen that thing from him. So from the foundation, the man is no longer leader. You have assumed leadership role. How exactly should I ask? Okay, but I was talking about why a woman initiating the courtship would already distort the leadership cycle. And then, when the Bible says, husband, love your wives, it is in the sense of husband, show affection, chase after, make sacrifices for. When you distort that by being the one to initiate, you have already put yourself in a whole lot of trouble. Now, there are are certain things you can do if, as a woman, you notice that you may be compatible with somebody. But the person is maybe shy, afraid. There are certain things you can do. But it is not that you now go and say, bro, since you refuse to talk, I will talk. You are my husband. If not, 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 you, will, you will hurt yourself like that. Please raise my volume a little bit, please. Are we clear now? Yes, well, let me progress in the conversation. Now, as a man, one of the things I want to address before I explain how to enter into courtship proper, you don't have to go through numerous heartbreaks. It doesn't make you, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a bad, a good badge to wear. I've asked only one person out in my life. That's my wife. It was too sure that she would say yes. Because you must be wise as a man. If you notice a woman, it's compatible, you are prayed, you are sure, and all of that. Now, what you can do is to ensure that the compatibility is perceived mutually. The problem is that some of you guys pop the question too early. You just made a sister for three months. Your chat record cannot enter one notebook. Did you eat today? Yes. What did you eat? Beans. That's nice. That's all you are talking about. The other three months, you say... Uh, I, God, God said that you are my wife. You get a no. No! And it's not their fault. That's why I said, you see, when I said don't marry a stranger, be sure that that person you're asking that is not, does not see you as a stranger. Be sure that one of you have actually built a relationship where, like Reverend John said, don't marry somebody you can live with. Marry somebody you cannot live without. You're going to build a relationship. There are some people that, I mean, if you ask them out, if they say no, they will be crying and be saying no, because they're like, so I will lose you. Because by virtue of patience, 
the relationship has become very ripe. Very ripe. So, sometimes people get a no, not because it's not God's will, but because you are not wise. Your conviction might be full, but the lady's conviction is not full. Be very, you see, I said, that's why one of the things I'm, I was hoping to teach is relationship intelligence. Many guys are not smart, honestly. I was speaking to somebody and she was telling me, a man is talking to you and he doesn't even know when you are tired of the talk. You are doing like this. And the person doesn't know that this girl is tired. He's still talking. This sensitivity. You know, so many guys don't even know when a lady likes them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and it takes two to tango. The fact that God told you she's your wife. Eh? It doesn't guarantee that she will not say yes. God must tell her to. She must have her own personal convictions. Which you can help her with if you can be patient. Let the relationship grow organically. She has never called you before. You are the one who is calling. She has never chatted you up before. You are the one always initiating the conversation. Don't you see that something may be wrong? Wait. Wait. She has never said I miss you. You are the one always saying I miss you. Then when she says, hmm, you will not say, uh-uh. Can't you say you miss me too? <laughs> eh, me, eh, my brother. Oh, did you know? It's not right yet. Be smart. Be smart. Don't say, eh, we have known each other now. We attend the same church. Come on. Now, let me explain this to guys, because some guys don't just get it. You are probably the We have taught ladies now that don't be the one to initiate courtship. That means the average lady is just going to stay in the positioning of waiting. They are waiting. Trusting God. Say somebody will come. They are waiting. You might have been scouting and praying for three months. I've been fasting for three months. I've been scanning all the ladies. So, it took you three months to enter a conviction. How many months do you think it will not take her to enter? Remember that by virtue of the principles we are teaching, you should be a leader. That means you should be more spiritually sensitive than her. If it took you three months to enter conviction, if it takes her six months, it's not bad. So, be patient. You have been scouting. Now, you now said, okay, let me make my moves. Let me initiate a conversation. Let me ask for a number. Don't be angry if she acts like, if she acts reluctant, because it took, you have been praying, you have been fasting, praying, asking questions, seeking counsel to get to this point where you don't feel like I think I should go for this. She also needs time. Are you listening to me here? So the point I'm making here is there is a wisdom for initiation. Otherwise, you can be rejected and it will sound like maybe you need deliverance, there's a demon against your mental destiny. It's just that you're not wise. Wait for the friendship or the relationship to evolve into solid friendship. And do everything possible to get it there. So that in the day you ask out or you make an official move towards courtship, there's already something that suggests there's mutual value. Mutual value. Not just that I like you, but you also like me back. Not just that I feel your God's will, or I sense your God's will, you also have the same thing towards me. Otherwise, you get a no. And most times, no always means that. Don't kiss me again. Let me talk to ladies a little bit here. I wish I had more time. Please, discard once again the mentality of 
I can never marry my friend. Please, you are not helping your destiny help us. What that does is that it already creates a scenario where people will find it difficult approaching you if they are close to you. In that setting, you are either going to not marry, marry very late, or settle for something that you will never enjoy. Some of you are going loud about it. You say it publicly. It's a problem. The ideal thing in Jewish culture is that we marry familiar people. Now, I'm not saying anybody should come and play with your intelligence and somebody's coming through the back door. The person wants a wife but acting like he wants a friend. I'm not, I will teach on that shortly. But let it be possible for those who know you and whom you know to walk up to you and say, don't you think we can work? I prayed, I've spoken to elders and I think we can work. Let it be possible. Instead of people now using the name of God to bully you into submission. There's nothing, it doesn't make you a better wife. That somebody has to say, I prayed and if you don't marry me, you will die. If I insult your own intelligence, if you don't marry, you will lose us in destiny. There's no need. Oh, but it's because you caused it. Why you keep saying things like, no, ah, I cannot be dating my friend. Okay? Then you will date your father. Mm. You will date somebody who will bully you. Who does not respect your opinion? Who does not feel that you are not wise enough to make a decision? So you have to be bullied. You have to be forced, manipulated. You need somebody who, can, who respects your opinion. Who says, this is what I think, but what do you think? Hey, that's a companion. That's someone that fits. Someone that says you must do it too. And, uh, I've taken your name to the pastor already. This is the wedding date. Just come with your clothes. <laughs> because some of you, that's what you want. For you, you feel that, ah, yeah, that, that's a leader. It's a good man. Hmm. When you marry, there will be no consultation. Nobody asks for your opinion. They just tell you, oh yeah, come. You are going to go and live with your mother for one week. Why? It's not your business. That's the kind of man you will now eventually settle with. As a lady, it's okay to see signs early enough. This guy is a friend, but he looks like he wants something more. Don't, first thing, don't um, become rushed in or pressured to alter the normative organic process. Wait for him. If you feel it's now taking too long, you can now ask him to define the relationship. Especially if you are suspecting he's sniffing around you but has not had sufficient conversations or conviction rather. Let me explain. Some guys are honestly not serious. They don't take courtship seriously. And courtship is serious business. Or they don't take yeah, they don't take courtship seriously. So they may hang around you, hang around you, hang around you just trying to sniff you. See, I'm trying to see whether I should, whether I should work. Um, that's a dangerous thing to do if it's too prolonged. Because there are some people that are in your life now that we think you are dating and you are not dating. And they are going to chase away potential spouses. Are you listening to me? You call three times a day. Morning call, afternoon call, night call. You share selfies of each other's meals. And I've been doing it for the past six months. You need to say, bro, half an hour, what's up? What exactly? 
I've, I've got told you anything of it. You don't have to say, are you my husband? But then you can say, can we define it a little bit? Because we are becoming quite very intimate for just regular friendship. Especially when they ask you some questions. Say, how many children do you want to marry? How many children do you want to have, brother? Where do you want to settle them in life? Okay. Say, bro, is there a reason why you are asking all these questions? Don't allow somebody to linger around you who is irresponsible, who is an egot. You know egot? They just come, they do, <laughs> they go to another person, <laughs> don't, don't do that. As a lady, time is going for you. Because somebody will look at you and say, ah, somebody's already dating her. So be careful. Those are little wisdom principles. Amen? Yeah. But don't now say, oh yeah, will you be my husband? Don't do that. Don't forcefully initiate the courtship. Um, let me talk to guys a little bit more here. Please, as a guy, I've talked about you, you have to go through numerous heartbreaks, but don't play with ladies' hearts. Please. If you are entering into a relationship that is very close, for me, what worked was that my wife was my best, was my first female, no, was my, yeah, let me say was my first very close female friend. So afterwards, any other lady that was a friend of mine already knew I was settled maritally. You are not close to me because you think I'm going to get you anything. No, 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 no. In fact, if you are not close to my fiance, you can't be close to me. Then, I'm not doing it. You don't like my wife or you don't like my fiance, then don't like me. That's how, that was my own ethics. So if you want to be close to me, especially as a lady. Now, don't, it's not safe for your career, for your ministry, for your future as a guy. There are seven ladies have a reputation about you of you sniff around, you go. Sniff around, you go. It's very, it's very bad for your name. Now listen to me here. Guys, it's very bad for your name. Be, if you feel that somebody is a potential spouse, get your findings very, very spot on. Get every information you need to get before you now begin to try to initiate that friendship that will lead to courtship. It's not that you will now start intimate friendship in a bid to find out about somebody. No. Your body language already suggests, okay, this is going to evolve into marriage. And then after three months, you just say, eh, I would like to meet my fiancé. Hey. It's, it's not good. It's not good. Many guys do that. Did I ever ask you out? Yeah, well, you were doing cooler ministry. They were bringing good for you. Hmm? They were even saving money with you. You had password to the ATM. Password to the phone. You demanded certain things that only a spouse should demand. As it were. You got angry about certain things that only somebody in a committed relationship should get angry with. You did not even call me. But I supposed to you the money, eh? Huh? Okay, and, you don't, you, and all that's why you have somebody else in mind. You're a wicked man, sir. A wicked man. Amen. Amen. So don't use courtship. Okay, don't use, this is a progressive thought. Don't use courtship as an experiment. There must be a level of certainty in courtship for you to try. When people, I'm not, I'm not a fan of modern courtship. Modern courtship is a scam, really. Courtship is not when somebody puts a ring in your hand. 
if you, you see your word as a man should be as good as a ring. A Christian man. Are you listening to me? Yes, In the day Jesus said, I will send the Holy Ghost, comforter, so settled, his word was enough. If a man looks at the woman and says, I love you, and I don't mean I love you with the love of Christ. I love you in the sense that I want you to be my wife. He's supposed to be a Christian man with integrity of words. Now, a woman should go and say, he said it, it is settled. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. When your word cannot be trusted, I love you, I want to marry you, we should not trust your ring either. So Christian courtship is not experiment. So it does not begin with when they snap you, when you nail down to put a ring. Now say she said yes. And that's not the. That's why we hear things like we don't do Christian dating. When you enter into courtship, it is with the intention of marriage. You are not experimenting. You are not playing with people's feelings. Marriage. I courted for seven years. And now yes, there was no doubt. Never in doubt about. What we wanted to do. Many people don't know that until there is a level of rest and certainty in courtship. It is not courtship. If I am not sure that this will lead to marriage, we have not started courting. Yes. We have not started courting. We can't plan together when I don't know whether you can pick your bags tomorrow and leave the relationship. Why should I plan with you? Why should I tell you my greatest secret? When I'm not really sure you are going to, that is, uh, we are courting, but uh, it is not over until it's over. Well, I'm not saying you should not start having sex. No, but I'm saying that there are certain conversations we cannot have if we have not settled that we are certainly going to marry. And there are times where people intended to marry, but eventually something came up. But then, don't enter courtship with, as an experiment. In Jewish days, courtship was serious business. It involved the parents. There are own laws, or um, I mean contracts signed it's serious business. If you break a courtship, it was as bad as divorce. Yes. Because courtship was serious business. It's not that somebody just says, he sends a text message. Me and you are no longer interested. It was nice doing business with you. Till we meet again. What, what is this? <laughs> a Christian brother? A Christian sister? So we can't trust ourselves again. Are you listening to me here? So, don't give false hope. Don't play with people's emotions. Once you begin courtship, the goal is marriage. It should lead to marriage. Um, So, the end of courtship should have marriage as the goal. That's why anybody that tells you, let's date or let's court, but don't tell anybody. Don't tell daddy, don't tell mommy, don't tell pastor. Ah. I don't understand. What are we going to be doing? You'll be my girlfriend, Itumo. What's that? What does that mean? We'll be sending you some and ice cream. Nah. If you fall for that kind of trash, you enjoy yourself. Weddings are public events. A marriage is documented, not just in the books of the church, in the books of the law court. It's a public thing. It's not, there's no secret about it. So somebody says, no, let's be, coded, 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 coded. I don't need this. Now you go suffer. You will also whip codedly when they send you text message. You whip codedly. Because when they ask you why you cry, you can't say. You say it's onions that you are cutting. You can't say, brother, today left me. Ah, 
Were you and Brother together? Were you ever together? Anybody who cannot go public with their commitment is probably not committed. I'll say it again. And this is not a, it's not a, it's not a debatable principle when it comes to marriage. If they cannot go public with their commitment, is you have to question the commitment. Marriage is supposed to be the most intimate relationship. So if with your friend, imagine having a friend who doesn't want to, who doesn't want anybody to know that you are their friend. Then now imagine having a fiance who doesn't want anybody to know that you are their fiance. How does that add up? Say village people are trying to protect ourselves from village people. May God give you understanding. So there should be no secret courtship. There should be leadership supervision. I'm rushing my points now. There should be leadership supervision. Because you are young. You are inexperienced. You don't know many things. You need to learn from experts. Learn from people who advise you, counsel you. There are many things you need to know about marriage. You will learn in courtship. So you need to submit to leadership supervision. I beg I beg I beg you. No do secret courtship. Oh. I beg. You are setting up yourself for deception like that. Deception is easy when you set yourself up in darkness. Come to the light. Come to the light. I think my wife was telling me ladies in our house some days ago. The day I asked her out, the day I asked her out, I told her, I'll call your father. I don't do all those uh, I'm an open book. I was 21. She was 19. No, I was having 22. I was 19. Call your father. When they call, she called her father, the father is all dead. Kill up them all. No problem. That's, that's okay. Because I agree. But the young shall grow. Amen. I'll be married four years now. Amen. Yeah. So, but accountability. Open the books. Okay, this was your father said. Oh yeah, we are going to the church. The church. Oh yeah, tell the leadership of the church. They give us form. Do you want to marry next year? We say no. Marry next year. Okay. Say okay. Just keep the form. Open book. So that when you see me where I am now, you not say hey. So where I'm seeing you before. There's no need for any prophecy. We know who we are. The church knows who we are. The parents knows who we are. It's an open issue. <laughs> Many people try to ask my wife out after we cut it. Even while we were cutting. One man particularly was very interesting. I'm not sure he did this, but it sounded like, ah, if you don't marry me, something about you will miss out on destiny or something like that. When I eventually discovered that my wife was cutting me, fear catching. That, that man is your... Hey... I said, well, why are you so stupid in the first place? Why do you trust in a lady like that? Why would you have the audacity to trust in a lady like that? You don't marry me. You have missed out on destiny. Who are you? If I see him today, I will call him. Yeah, come. See, when you talk, you pay me. <laughs> who, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> well, he probably doesn't have a good pastor. He's not well taught on the etiquette of Christian culture. Okay, now, this other thing I want to mention here, very important. Don't assume that once you've discovered a potential spouse that is the will of God, it will automatically lead to marriage without your impute.
Going further, let it be clear. Attraction can be lost. Convictions can be lost. And it can happen for several reasons. Attraction can be lost. Convictions can be lost. One of the reasons this happens is when the growth rate is not the same or it's not ideal. If I'm growing spiritually and my fiance is not growing spiritually, in the next five years, what I like may not be what she likes. So attraction may be lost. Compatibility may be lost. If she's growing spiritually and not growing spiritually, what happens in the next three years, what she calls right, I may call wrong. What she calls okay, I may consider abomination. So, growth rates must be similar. If not, somebody may say, I love you, I love you too, and then we will get married, and then after five years they are wondering, why do we even like each other in the first place? How do we meet? How did I know you? It could be because the growth progression was not ideal. Are we together? It could also be that um, intimacy in courtship is not well managed. What do I mean? Some who begin courtship and they just feel we are already cutting, inevitably we will marry. And so they don't talk to their fiance or fiancé. They don't spend time as much as they should spend time with them. They don't show affection, exchange gifts and all of those other things. And then they begin to develop attraction for somebody else. I told you on Sunday you will become attracted or you become intimate with those you spend time with. Particularly with things like long distance relationships. If I have a fiance, a fiancée, and I'm spending time with people, before you know it, my heart begins to gravitate towards those people. And somebody that I never would considered a spousal material may become attractive to me, and I may begin to forget my first love. Very possible. So stay in touch, communicate, affirm the love. Don't act like it's inevitable, we'll marry. People's hearts can change. Somebody I used to like suddenly can become disgusting to you. You're not spending time with the person as you ought to. Even in marriage, you've been married for 10 years, 20 years. They can suddenly just notice they are losing attraction because there's one girl in the office of the man that is always greeting daddy. And daddy not looking, looking wife. He's a looking daughter. Looking at daughter, looking at daughter. Daddy, focus. If not, your wife of 20 years suddenly, you know, I, just, I just don't like her anymore. I don't know why. I know why. There's a sister being there in your office. You spend three hours every day. During break time, you're with her. You now come back home to your wife, always tired. You watch TV. Spend time with your wife. No, not TV. Then attraction is lost. Are we following here? So, communication establishes conviction. Even during courtship, People say, what should I do in courtship? That's another someone entirely. I don't have time. But you talk. You get to know each other. You practice intimacy in a pure form. And let me talk about one last thing as a progress here. There is this idea, this controversy about courtship and marriage that is very popular and many Christians are adopting it. I said a little bit, or spoke a little bit about it in the beginning of the conversation. Let me emphasize it. Sexual compatibility. Now, this is actually something that you must not misunderstand. We've spoken about compatibility, but many people have begun to teach sexual compatibility. I spoke about um, financial, spiritual, 
mental, intellectual, philosophical compatibility. But I deliberately didn't talk about sexual compatibility because it's, it has been used as a bait for sexual immorality. Now, does sexual compatibility, is it something that is real? Yes. However, it is not something that you should worry about in courtship. The emphasis is sexual faithfulness and sexual responsibility in marriage, not sexual compatibility. But you know, we watch too many movies. We listen to too many vulgar things in our generation. You are reading terrible things that you have no business as a single person even being aware of. Say, a feel of seven round. What is the meaning of that? What is the meaning of that? As a single person, what is your business with that? Seven rounds. Of boxing match? Or what? So your mind now begins to say, it's sexual compatibility, oh, so people say libido is very low. Now, first of all, there's sexual health, which leaders must supervise and ensure. That's why you need leadership supervision. Some people's penis is not working, no. That's the truth. He's there, but it's not working. One of the tests that churches are now forced to do now is sexual potency test. Do you have erections when you wake up in the morning, sir? Can I see it? As, yeah. Oh, yes. What are you talking about? You don't know the deception in... <laughs> oh, amen. amen. <laughs> <laughs> there's fake breasts. You think there's no fake penis? There's fake bum bum. You think people are not padding their groins? Say, so, there's something there. Hey, I know. But... Let me be sure. We have to examine medically all these things have to be intact. Now, so once we have established the person is healthy, you don't have to now worry, can he do two rounds, seven rounds, eighteen rounds? One of my married friends said that, her husband, it's not, it's not, you are not going to secure your mind like that. Those informations are not important because you will now discover the most important thing is sexual faithfulness and then sexual responsibility. There are people who are healthy, energetic, and they are not being intimate with their wives in marriage. Because they have not learned the principle of sexual responsibility. First Corinthians 7 talks about that. That a man's body belongs to his wife. There are women who have not touched their husband in two months. They always say, I'm tired. I'm not in the mood. Why? They have not learned sexual responsibility. So it's not about, sexual compatibility is not the issue. Sexual faithfulness and then sexual responsibility. And if a man is responsible to God, a man is responsible, committed to the marriage, he will certainly, all those other things will be there. But then I'm going to say, we have to test each other. I cannot manage products I have not tested. It's not a Christian principle. Are you listening to me here? This whole idea of uh, testing is actually very silly. I don't understand how people say, we must test each other on the marital bed. So that we can see. So, you are going to be testing people, testing people, testing. How many people are you going to test before you marry? I don't get. It is the height of shamelessness. How many people are adopting it? Saying, but I will still marry him now. It's not a guarantee. He may test you and discover that you are not sweet enough by his own definition. What what happens? He leaves you and looks for another testing machine. So, when we say sexual compatibility, it's not your business as a single Christian. Those who are married, 
I believe the blessedness of marriage by God automatically allows for sexual compatibility. That's what I believe. That even if something is wrong by any other way, when a man and his wife or his wife are blessed by God, somehow it makes up for what is lacking. This, and if you stay pure sexually, you don't have to honestly, most of the sexual compatibility conversations come out from people who have eaten so many forbidden fruits. If you don't even know what sex feels like as a single person, you are not going to be thinking about eh, seven round or nine round, which one would be enough for me. Well, if you are a virgin, it's not, you, cannot, you cannot relate with that kind of a conversation. There are men now taking uh, sexually stimulating drugs, giving themselves heart problems, liver problems, kidney problems. Because they married somebody whose definition of sexual favorite and responsibility was from a pornography movie. Are you listening to me here? So, one last thing. Please, sexual purity is very important in, sex, in Christian courtship. Very important. From statistics, many Christian courtship have broken off because of sexual activity. When sex is involved, something is stolen. Conviction is stolen. Trust is stolen. Peace of mind is stolen. Rest is stolen. When you steal all of that, what is left? If you, if you break the sexual purity boundaries, you have allowed yourself to enter into hot waters, you are going to be suspecting your fiance. If you did it with me, you may have done it with Sister Benkwe too. You may be doing it with Sister... You may be doing it with the other person. You break trust. And it's a terrible thing. To restore trust is a very terrible thing. It's a very hard thing. So, it's for your own good. If you want, to, if you want courtship to lead to marriage, don't touch yourself. It's for your own good. And I don't have the time, but there are wisdom tips to fix that issue. You know, it's not as difficult. Many people have made it look like it's impossible. Ah, but you know, people do. Hey. Now, blood, they run through my veins. So, hey. When you talk like that, Joseph will stand in heaven and laugh at you. I mean, he didn't always speak in tongues. He didn't even have indwelling spirit, as it were. So, it's possible. Don't listen to people that say it's not possible. By the way, don't, don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of building ministries out of sexual sins. Some of you read too, too many abstinence books. Too many. Ten steps to remain a virgin. You read it. Next month again, you read around. 17 principles of sexual purity. Your mind is already treated towards sex like that. All the conferences of sexual purity you attend. Your mind is already being wired to you are weakening your faith. Like that. If you come to church and all the same is, hey! Don't touch man! Don't touch man! Don't touch man! One day you will say, ah, this man, your mind will be, you see, your appetite is always king dude like that. The way to remain sexual pure is live holistically as a Christian. Read the Bible, pray, stay fervent. Don't know, you are hearing everything about the sexual purity conference you attend, sexual purity coach you share, sexual purity. What are those things that there's, there's one man that was in sexual purity campaign. He was raping his teenage ladies in Lagos. Very ridiculous nonsense. But I was not surprised because how can you build an entire ministry of sexual purity? When you gather, you don't talk about any other thing. It's about how you can avoid man. Ah. What kind of a ministry is that? It doesn't work. Are you listening to me here? If you stay fervent, that's what my parents will not have. 
I'm done teaching. Is there a question, please? Questions very quick. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.